Amen. Well, thank you, Patrick. It's, uh, it's actually lovely to be here this morning to be able to share with you. Um, I just, before I really begin, I'd like to just thank you and praise the Lord, really, for, um, for what's been happening the last few months. So obviously, as most of you know, I've had pneumonia. It's been quite a difficult time for, for me and Alice and the family. And I just really want to thank you all, God, thank everybody here for their prayers and for their care for, for all of us and, and praise God that I'm well on the way to full recovery. I'm still not quite there yet, but I'm, I'm getting close. So praise the Lord. Amen. And this morning I want to speak about grace and the gift of grace that God has given us. Because one of the things I was, uh, that I did when I wasn't feeling very well and I was kind of recovering was I read my Bible. Now, before you think I'm oh, Mark super spiritual, literally, I was just reading one chapter a day, and even then, that was a bit of a struggle. But I happened to be reading through the book of Romans, and I absolutely loved it. Every day, I was reading a chapter, and I was saying to Alice, oh, you've got to read this chapter. It's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing. But the chapter that really spoke to me, or really struck out, was Romans chapter 5, where Paul is talking to the Romans, and he says quite a lot of things. But he brings out this point at the end, about the, the, the gift of God's grace. And so that's what I want to preach on this morning. Uh, and so if you can get your Bibles out or get your phone apps out, whatever you prefer to use, and if you turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verses, tw- uh, uh, yeah, verses 12 to 21. And Paul is, is using a picture here to, to talk about the goodness of God. And it's quite a, a hefty bit of, of scripture and Paul kind of, uh, just tries to be, well, it sort of says quite a lot in it. So we're going to read it through and then I'm going to kind of try and explain to you quite quickly and then we're going to start talking about God's grace. So Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. <coughs> when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because uh, there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. 
And so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and result in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. What a beautiful piece of scripture that is. And so Paul here is using the picture of Adam and the story of Adam to illustrate how important Jesus Christ is and what a wonderful gift that he, he is to us. You see, Adam, right at the very beginning, God created everything perfect. And Adam was perfect. And, but, Adam, but God gave Adam the law. But this law didn't contain the hundreds of rules like Moses' law did. It contained one rule. What was that? What was that rule? What was the law that God gave to Adam? Don't eat the fruit of the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the one thing he had to do. Everything else Adam could do, and it's perfectly allowable. It was great, and it was all part of God's will for him. But what does Adam do? As we know the story, he ate the fruit, and he went against God. He disobeyed him, and he brought sin into the world, and into him, and into mankind. And so what sin is, sin is just us going against God, and against his um, uh, law for us and that's what Adam did now you see since sin came in it created a massive problem for God because we, got, we know God is perfect and holy and can have nothing to do with sin and of course here's Adam and here's sin enters the picture and so he has to come and deal with it he has to come and judge Adam's sin and so he brings in a punishment to deal with that sin and so what he brings in he brings in death Death didn't exist before Adam sinned. And the reason why he had to bring in death was because he had to bring an end to that sin. Now, God's kingdom will last forever. And it is perfect and it is holy. And what God cannot allow in his kingdom is any sin or evil. Because even one just tiny, tiny little bit will ruin it. It will corrupt it. And his perfect kingdom will no longer be perfect. And so God has to stop sin and evil and stop it from becoming eternal and that's why he brings in this punishment of death to basically kill it to eradicate it and so he brings the punishment to Adam and said that's it instead of living forever like he would have done if he never had that fruit he was going to die and anyone who sinned was going to die from that from that punishment but what Paul is, is saying here and because he goes a little bit deeper because we know um, that we are the seed of Adam that we all come from Adam. Many, many, many thousands of generations ago, we, the whole human race comes from Adam and Eve. And so we know that we have Adam's nature, so we have his physical nature. We look like Adam did, maybe not quite as beautiful as he, as he did, but we, we take on his characteristics. And so we have this, this thing called sin in us because of Adam did it. But Paul is going a little bit deeper and said, actually, God's punishment doesn't just rest on us because we copied Adam, our punishment of sin, sorry, our punishment of death rests on us because of Adam's sin. And we are paying the whole of, human, whole of mankind has had to face death because of what Adam did. And we are facing that punishment. And so the Bible talks about people being in Adam. And that's what it kind of means, that we are part of Adam's family. And because of that, we have to face the punishment of death because of his disobedience against God and that's how God has judged it which sounds really quite horrible but that's what God has done and if he left us in this state then we would be we would be lost 
But Paul brings in not only the picture of Adam, but the picture of Jesus and what Jesus has done and how it's the complete opposite to Adam. This is where God's grace comes in and we hear about his gift of forgiveness, his gift of making us right with him and the gift that we can have life and we can share with God in his eternal life and live with him in heaven forever. And this is God's grace. Now the word grace in this context, in this, sorry, in this context, means unmerited or undeserved favour from God. And that's what we have this morning. We have the unmerited and undeserved favour of God upon us of when we put our faith in Jesus. And we get all access to all of these things that Jesus has brought through his obedience to, uh, to God and his death on the cross, as we've been singing about, as we've been praying about this morning. We have access to all of it. We have access to God's grace. And I like to, in my daily reading, I like to use the, the Message Bible because it's kind of, it takes scripture and it kind of colloquializes it and it, it kind of says the same thing but in a slightly different way and I quite enjoy reading that. And when I was reading this chapter, at the end of it, it says this. It says that, um, that sin doesn't have a chance when you come against the aggressive forgiveness that we call grace. And when it comes to sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. Amen? And that's what we come to. We come to this place where we could be completely free of our sin. We can know God and we can receive all of this of him because God has poured out upon it and he's given us this grace. And it says in the Bible that we can no longer become in Adam. Instead, we can become in Christ and receive his inheritance and his reward of eternal life rather than Adam's reward of sin and death. And we can rule over it, which is fantastic. Now, that's kind of what Paul is saying here. And so when we come and look at, this, look at the grace in more detail, I want to ask you some, a few questions this morning. Firstly, have you received the gift of grace in your life? Have you received his forgiveness, him making you right, and you received all that Jesus has done for you? Now, I know there'll be some people here and we've all, um, who will be thinking and Pat sort of um, when he was sharing what God's heart was. There are some of us here who don't think that we are good enough to receive this gift. That we look at our lives and we think, well, we're a mess up. We look at our, our sin, the things that we have done, the things that we have said and done to other people. God, how it doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm a mess up, I'm a wretch, I'm somebody who is, when you really look at me, you see how horrible I am. God's never going to want anything to do with me. I don't deserve this grace. And if you are thinking that this morning, that you're thinking that you are not good enough, I want to tell you this morning that you are absolutely right. You're absolutely right that you don't deserve this gift of forgiveness and gift of righteousness. But before you kind of... But if, that, if, you, if your thought process takes you to that place and then you take to the thing that God is not going to pour out on me anyway, that's where you're wrong. Because that's the whole point of grace. We get something that we don't deserve. There's this old hymn that says, Wonderful grace, it gives me what I don't deserve. And this is what we have this morning. We have something we completely and utterly don't deserve. Because when we look at our own lives, and we look at ourselves, we can all say we are wretches. And as we were singing that song during communion, there's that line um, that says something about he makes his wretch um, his treasure. I can't, I can't remember it, but you kind of get the picture that we're all wretches. I'm a wretch this morning. 
I don't deserve God's grace, and yet here I am because of what he's done. And it's not because um, I'm super amazing, but because it's all because um, of the amazingness of God. Amen? Amen. But do you know what's even better about grace? What grace does when it comes to forgiveness, it doesn't just wipe away all our sins. Now, you could imagine your life to be like a ledger, and on it, it's got all the good things you've done, and it's got all the bad things you've done. And I think sometimes when we come to God's forgiveness and his grace, we look at that and say, well, when I come to God and ask for forgiveness, all he does is he wipes away all the bad stuff I've done. He lets me go back to zero, back to just being okay. And, and that's how we kind of think of God as being a little bit stern, thinking, well, I've wiped your ledger clean, right? That's it, Pat. You're back to zero. Don't go and do anything wrong again. And when we do, we have to come back to God with a cap in hand, say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, will you come and wipe, it, wipe, it, wipe all that sin away? And he says, okay, then. And he kind of keep, we keep doing this. But what grace says, uh-uh. What God does with our ledgers, he gets them and he rips them up and he throws them in the bin and instead, we don't just get our slate wiped clean, we get the riches of Christ upon us. That we've almost got like a million pounds of credit in the bank with God. He gives us credit instead of just wiping away our debt. The ledger is all gone. And so my question is, have you received this? Have you received it? Because I think sometimes we can struggle to receive gifts. Now, if I was a, if I got out a chocolate bar, or I opened my wallet and I got five pound note out, and I said, who wants to receive this? Now, there'll be some of you here who have been to, sat through many sermons and know at this point, when the preacher does that, you need to, be, you need to get ready to go. Because as soon as they say, who wants this? You need to get out of your seat and get it because the first person there is going to receive it. You think, yes. We, we, I'm sure we've all sat through sermons like that. Now, fortunately for you guys, I don't have a chocolate bar and I'm not going to open my wallet this morning. But if there, was that, if there was that, you would think, yes, I can get that. Now, if I was to up the stakes a bit and I said, right, I've got £100 here, who would like to receive this? Now, there'll be some of you who'd be like, right, I'm really ready to go. You saying, Bolt, you've got nothing on me. But there'd be some of you who would, who would kind of instead maybe grip the seat a little bit harder and sort of say, oh, what's Mark doing? £100, that's quite a lot of money. What's he doing? You're kind of a bit hesitant. And so if I was to up the game a little bit and say, well, what about £1,000 or £10,000 or even half a million pounds? There'd be a lot of you, I think, would suddenly think, what is going on here? What's Mark doing? Now, Alan, this is where I'm going to pick on you. That way I've asked him in advance if I can do this. Now, we've only just started to get to know each other, haven't we, just the last few months, and so you don't know me very well. Now, if I was to get my checkbook out and I was to write Alan a check for a million pounds and go up and give it to you, I wonder how you'd feel about that. Now, as I said, I don't know you very well, so you might think, ka-ching, and rush off to the bank, say, Debbie, pack your bags and get on holiday, off we go. But I would imagine, actually, if I, was to give you, if I was to give any of you a million pounds, you would probably struggle to receive that, initially, certainly initially, um, because you think, why is Mark doing this? What, what's, what's, his, what's the angle? I don't know Mark that well, or, or how has Mark even got a million pounds? This is really weird that he's given me, and you might kind of struggle. And I think when people want to give us gifts, especially big gifts, we struggle to receive it, because we think, well, I'm not really worthy of that gift that amazing gift that someone's given me. Or maybe we start to think, well, what's their angle? What are they trying to get out of me? Maybe Alan's sort of thinking, oh, maybe Mark's going to start to think that I'm going to be at his beck and call because he's got a million pounds or he's going to expect me to start earning it back. 
But, and this is how I think sometimes when we come to God's gracious gift of, of righteousness and forgiveness and this whole thing, we start to think, I can't accept it because I'm not worthy or I can only receive part of it because that's all I deserve. Or what's, what's God's angle? And I would encourage us this morning that God's gift of grace is free this morning. He's freely given it. And, he's, and the thing is, he's already given it. It's not that we've kind of got, we're going to receive it later on. He's already gone to the cross. He's already paid the price for our sins. He's already taken not only Adam's punishment, but our punishment on the cross. And that gift is, is there. We've just got to ask God and say, God, will you, I want to receive that this morning. Receive it. And a little bit later on, as we come to the end, if you know you want to receive the gift of forgiveness for your sins, or maybe just the gift of new life that he promises, and not just living in a constant place of trying to just, just get by and just kind of, just God, forgive me my sins, but that's it. But you want to receive the fullness that, that Paul is saying that, that, that Jesus wants to give us. Then they, at the end, I want you to ask God to come and um, to ask God to receive his gift of grace. Now, my next question is, do we work for God's favour upon our life? Do we work for it? Now, those of you who have uh, been a Christian a long time, or know your Bibles quite well, will immediately point to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. Because um, you know what it says there. You can turn with me if you want, or you can just listen. It says this, and it's quite a famous piece of scripture, so I'm sure probably most of you have heard it. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit from this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. And so we know that our salvation is not based on how good we've been. When God goes back to the ledger, it's not based on how many good works we've done. It's, just, it's a gift from God. It's not something we've, we could work for. And so we know that we can't earn our salvation. But I think there's sometimes a subtlety that comes into us as Christians as we go on with God that says that I have to kind of earn his favour. I have to kind of work for what the blessings that he wants to pour out upon me. Because you see, we're kind of fighting against a bit of a, 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 um, a godly principle that we have in this world. And that is, you need to work hard. So if you work hard, you'll get your reward. And this is a godly thing that I think God has, in, has made as part of this world. Um, that if you work hard, you'll get your reward. Like, it's in the Bible quite a lot. Solomon talks about it. He talks about the farmer who, the diligent farmer who goes out and works the land, looks after the, the field, um, and at the end of it, his harvest, he'll get a nice reward of good crops. And of course, the lazy farmer who doesn't look after the crops, doesn't tend to his field, their reward will be they'll get a rubbish harvest. And it's something that we, we, we um, teach amongst ourselves. We, we tell our kids, go to school, work hard, get a good education, go and then you can get a good job, work hard on that and you'll get your reward. That's, that's what, it, what it is. I know, um, for those of us who, who work, I'm sure a lot of places you work, if you work for a big company, they, they run off a, a performance uh, system at work. I know I do. I'm currently waiting to hear what my performance rating is for last year because uh, that will affect how much um, pay rise I get, or how much bonus I get. And so if you work hard at work and you give your best and you uh, do lots for the company, they'll reward you and they'll give you a bigger bonus and a bigger pay rise. And inversely, if you don't work hard, you won't get a pay rise and you won't get any bonus. And so this is the principle that we live by in life. But when it comes to God, God doesn't work like that. It's not about how good a Christian you are results 
and all the, so the, and the, the great things you do for God results in how much he blesses you. And I know we did, again, when you sat out loud and you listened to it, you think, well, that's so silly. I'd never believe that. It doesn't make sense. But I think it can get into our thinking quite subtly, that we think, well, if, if, I've been good, if, I, if I'm good, then God will bless me. If I do lots of things for him, then he'll pour out his favour upon me. We know that grace is this undeserved, unmerited favour upon us. As I know, I, I fought like that in the past. And maybe you've got, um, I know I've got an interview coming up, or you've got something that you want to happen, or you're trying to uh, I don't know, buy a house or buy a car, and you, and you kind of sometimes think, well, if I pray really hard about this thing or about this situation, then God will work in it. And you think, well, the more prayers and the more things I do, that will result in God blessing me even more for it. We know that God is a good God who loves to bless and loves to pour out upon us. And he's not sitting there each week going, well, Pete, you've had a good week, you've read your Bible lots this week, and you've prayed lots, and you've been to lots of meetings, here's your blessing. And, um, and uh, Gemma, you've had a really bad, oh, Gemma, dear, she's not read her Bible, she only prayed that five-minute prayer, and she, oh, that's it, no blessings for you. And that sounds silly when I say it like that, but we sometimes think God works like that, and he doesn't. He's a God who loves, a God who cares for us, who just wants to bless us, whether we've had a fantastic week or whether we've had a rubbish week when it comes to God. And I want to say this morning, to God, if you're thinking like that, even just subtly or at the back of your mind, God wants to come and set you free from that and live in a life of grace where it doesn't matter how you perform or how good you are, that God still always loves you and wants to pour out upon you. Amen. Amen. Now, my last question I want to ask. How does grace affect the way you live? How does it affect you? Are you somebody who people would describe you as being a, a when I say graceful person, I don't mean that you kind of, could kind of look very, very graceful in your movements, a lovely ballet dancer, but you somebody who shows grace, who permeates grace, who kind of grace just shines out of you. Or are you somebody who's a little bit hard at times? maybe a little bit judgmental, maybe a little bit unforgiving at times, and likes to sometimes condemn people. Now, because I know I can sometimes be like that. I'm really bad at sometimes uh, judging others, especially other Christians. And sometimes you sort of just naturally sometimes think, oh, why wasn't that person here at this meeting? I, they should have been here. Or um, that person, I don't think they're reading their Bible, I don't think they're praying very much, or what they said there was, was, wasn't very good. And... I don't do it consciously, but you do it subconsciously in the back of your mind. And you start to do this, and you kind of catch yourself doing it. You think, oh, well, God doesn't want us to be people like that. We're called to be people who are showing grace to one another and who are loving people, who are being kind to people, who are caring, people who are just shining out grace. And I think sometimes when, as Christians, when it comes to grace, we kind of get a little bit familiar with it. And we forget how much it is done for us and how much God has done. And Jesus, um, he says, he, one of the parables he, he, he shared was about the unforgiving servant. And the parable goes, there was this servant who owned millions of pounds to his master, who, which he couldn't pay back. And so he, he, he begged his master, will you, will you let me off this? And the master says, okay, you're, you're free. I've, I've cancelled it all. And the first thing the servant does is he goes on, he bumps into somebody else and he grabs them and says, oh, you owe me five pounds. Give it to me now. If you don't, I'm going to throw you into jail. And, and Jesus condemns that man and says, well, he wasn't showing 
that he wasn't living out. He'd been forgiven millions and he wouldn't forgive somebody else. And I think as we can be like that with people. We get this amazing grace that takes away all of our sin and has given us the life of God and yet when it comes to other people we sometimes and so when you look at yourself in the mirror are you somebody who is is showing grace and I'm I'm holding my hand up here and not saying that that's the sort of person I am all the time I know God needs to do needs to keep working in me so I'd become like Jesus showing grace to others and the last thing I want to ask us how does it affect our ministries? How does it affect the way that we serve others, the way that we glorify God, the way that we go and reach out to others? You see, Paul writes in, Corinthian, uh, in his letters to Corinthians, he says this, that Christ became poor in order for us to become rich. And that Christ left heaven, left the glories of being there and came down and to live life as a human, to live life in its in, in this world of sin, to go on the cross, that brutalistic, horrible death, in order that we might have the riches of heaven. Christ became poor in order that we might become rich. And is that our heart towards others? Are we prepared to make ourselves poor in order others might receive the riches that we have, that we have received? And as we, we go forward as a church, and as we look to reach out, I want to ask us, are we prepared to do that? Are we prepared to give up ourselves for it to cost us in order others might receive what we have received? Um, We had a prayer meeting on Monday and it was was our worship and prayer time. And I kind of went there thinking, oh great, we're going to have this whole worship, it'll be fantastic. And Tim got up and said, we're going to focus on the poor tonight. And I must admit, there was part of my heart that sunk a little bit. I was thinking, oh, what's, what's going on here? I was hoping to just come and worship. But as we sought God and as we worshipped him, I think God's really, God is really showing something to this church, that we are to be a church that goes out and reaches the poor. And it means at times it's going to cost us, and I'm not just talking about those who are poor uh, economically, but those who are poor in spirit, those who, who don't have the riches that we have. And are we prepared to, to go and to reach them and for it to, to cost us? Jesus tells another parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where a man, he gets beaten up and he gets robbed and he gets left at the side of the road to go to die. And of course, come along with some church leaders and some people in the church. And they see him and they look at their watches and they cross over the road and they just walk on by. And instead it's his enemy who comes along, who sees him, who shows grace upon the man, who picks him up, who, uh, who looks after him, pays for him, helps him to recover. And this morning, God might not put a person out in our, our way as we're leaving church this morning who is beaten up and robbed and is dying at the side of the road. But this week and his months and his years that come by, when God puts those people in your way, what are you going to do? Are you going to show grace to them and say, well, I've got that really important thing to do or this or that, but I'm going to go and show grace to them. I'm going to become poor in order that they might become rich. Grace should be affecting us. If it's not, then I don't think we really see, we really get in hold of grace. And again, I, I'm not saying I'm somebody who's, who's living life like that. I'm saying I need that as well. And we should be people who are, are seeking to receive more of God, to receive more of this gift of grace, in order that we might live the reality of it day by day. And there were people, and we're a church, when people look at us, they say, yes, 
that's a church that's different. They've got something, they've got, um, they might not be able to describe it, but it's Jesus just pouring out of us and his grace for others. And we need to take hold of it. And as, we, uh, as I finish this morning, I'd like us to respond. I'd like us to respond. We're going to, um, Miriam's gone, but we're going we're to sing a song. Oh, she's there. Um, are you right to sing the song we, we sung the other day? Yeah. And as we sing that song, if you want God to come, and you, sorry, you want to receive the gift of grace this morning, maybe you need to receive it for the first time. You need to receive God's forgiveness. You need to receive his, his life um, upon you. You need to come receive and receive so you can become in Christ. Or maybe you need to be set free from your thinking, the way that God works and the way that his grace operates. Or maybe you just need more of it in order for it to come and to affect you and to change you. Um, as we respond, I want to encourage you to open your hands. Just like if I was to come and to give you a gift, you need to open your hands to take it from me. And this morning, whether you want to hold your hands up or hold them out or just at the side of your hand and sit down, stand up, I don't mind. But just open your hands. If you want to receive this morning of God, receive the gift of grace and however it means, whatever you need this morning, you want to receive, just open your hands.